Well, it's good to be here, everybody. Uh, good to be among friends and to worship together. It's been great. Well played, Gary, and the band. Really, really good. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail of who I am and that my kids are all at home sleeping, hopefully, and that our church has been through a lot in the last couple weeks, but we have. But we've really felt lifted up by God. Uh, we've had some death in the church. We've had a lot of major illnesses within life spring, but God is really with us. But I do feel that God is really on the move as well. And uh, when Gary first invited me, he said, oh, maybe you can share some stories. And I was thinking, ah, I'm going to get a whole bank of stories from our church and bring them, but I'm not doing that either. Instead, I want to look at and break down a, a really key story in the Bible, and that's the story of the paralytic man who was lowered down through the roof. And I think through this story, I think God is going to speak to us, going to speak to you, going to speak specifically to hearts, is going to show Jesus in maybe a different way than you've seen him. And you're going to experience him maybe in a different way than you have. And I think also some of you who may be weary might be able to just come and recognize, okay, I am weary, but God can fill me back up. Spirit can fill me back up. So those are some of the key things I'm, I think we're going to target toward the end. But I'm a learner that likes to learn in a variety of ways, so we're going to start with a video. So the way maker, right? Isn't that awesome? He is the way maker. And if you want to bring up that first slide, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage from Luke, Luke 5, 17 to 26. It'll be right here. There's three slides with three main points on each slide. Uh, you'll see the words in white are the ones I want to break down for us because I think those are the ones that are key. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And you could see in that video the feel of that place. You know, it's as though we're here in the Serum Hill Center and it's so packed you can't move. Not only chair, you can't even like, like standing room only, literally. And maybe you've been in that kind of place where it's so full that this is all you can do. You know, you can't even stretch out your arm. That's this kind of scene that we're looking at here. A house that's so packed you just can't get into it. The reason why is because every village. So what that indicates is the news of Jesus had spread very, very quickly. From a few healings, which are miraculous, to every village. And when it says they're every village, it's also indicating the people that came. It wasn't just the people that wanted to be healed. It wasn't just those who were just clamoring to see him. It was the Pharisees. It was the scribes, it was the teachers of the law, it was the important religious leaders. They were the ones from every village that said, aha, he's come to Capernaum, we've got to get there. I've heard what he's doing, I don't, A, I don't know if I believe it, so I need to check it out. B, I don't know if I really trust him, so I need to check him out. And C, we can't miss this. If he's the Messiah, we can't miss this. And so there they were, every village. Some men, this is a really interesting one, some men came carrying a paralyzed man. 
So how many of you have heard this story and you've heard it, the, his friends carrying him? Anybody ever heard that? We think it is his friends. We don't know. We don't know who these guys are. They are some people that brought him. So they could have been passers-by that saw a paralytic that said, hey, I've heard of Jesus. Let's take this guy. They could have been his friends. They could have been his family. We don't know who they are, but they were key in the story, weren't they? The man doesn't get there if some men don't say, I'm going to take you. And another thing that it doesn't say in the Bible, it doesn't say if the paralytic man wanted to go. It never says that. We don't know if he went because the some men came and dragged him and he couldn't get off the mat. We don't know because he said, someone take me. I don't care who you some men are, but any four, take me to where Jesus is. Maybe he went kicking and screaming. Maybe he was asleep. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But he does turn up where Jesus was. And his life is radically changed. So some men did what God asked them to do. They, they simply did their job, which was to bring this guy to Jesus. And some of us, hopefully all of us, bring people to Jesus. Hopefully we are, hopefully you are, that some men that see those in need to come where he is. In this case, it was to a building. It doesn't have to be a building. It could be the Serum Hill Center. It could be anywhere. It could be the sidewalk. It could be downstairs, upstairs, outside, anywhere, wherever Jesus is. And we take people to that place. But what happened in 19, it wasn't that easy, was it? When they could not find a way to do this, and of course the video is great about that. The video just shows us how difficult it was to get into that place. So when you read the Greek in that, um, it says the word tiles. That could indicate there were tiles. If it was a European build, which in Capernaum they were quite wealthy, so it could have been a European build with actual tiles that they were cutting out. So think of this, is that an air conditioner or heater? I don't know what that is, but think of that as being the square where the man is lowered down. There could have been tiles that they were chopping away at, and so let's assume I'm talking now and somebody starts chopping away at that. That would be quite distracting, wouldn't it? That's the distraction they made. Anybody here ever get to a meeting late and the last thing you want to do is be noticed? You just want to slide in. Well, who knows if this paralytic wanted to A, be there, and if he did, I doubt he wanted that kind of entrance. But what we don't know about that, uh, yes, it might have been tiles, but Traditionally on those houses, there would have been a layer of mud and another layer of mud and another layer of mud, maybe another layer of mud. There also would have been some timber laid across as well. There also would have been some other straw and possibly tiles as well. So we're not talking just a little bit, you know, like two minutes worth of clearing a little bit of brush. We're talking about loud, breaking, bits falling, distraction, work. So when it says they could not find a way to get in this way, this is the only way they could find. And sometimes it's a lot of work, isn't it? And in this case, they destroyed potentially part of that house to get him right in front of Jesus. What a spot to take him. They didn't just get him in the room, they got him right in front of Jesus. And that's where we want to lead people to, isn't it? Right in front of Jesus. Okay. So that's the first three verses. I guess I had the thing, don't I? 
Could somebody get me some water, by the way? Whoever. Thank you. Okay, so these four verses really go together, and this is the crux of the story. This is the meat of what's happening. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? So we've got this crazy scene of this man that people don't really know that well. They don't know that much about Jesus. He hasn't been on the scene that long. He's healed some lepers, which is an amazing thing. He's done a few other miracles. He's been around Galilee. But it's not like his ministry had been going for three years or 30 years. He hadn't written books. Everybody knew him. Hadn't seen him on YouTube. And you already had all of his sermons. They didn't know that much about him, but they knew that he was doing amazing stuff. And that's who they brought this man to. So when Jesus saw their faith, saw their faith. So we've probably heard this story. Pardon me. probably heard this story again that it's all about the faith of the friends. A, we don't know if it was friends. And B, we also don't know whose faith Jesus saw. It doesn't say, what it doesn't say in the Bible is it doesn't say that the man didn't have any faith. Because he could have been talking to the man as well. He saw their faith. So I want to suggest the paralytic man probably was part of it too. We often think of he's just, well, it's, it's all about the friends. Actually, it's all about some men. And I also think it's about the paralytic man. He must, I think, he had something to do with it as well. I bet he wanted to be healed. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. That's not why he was there, was it? No. The man couldn't walk. The man lived on a mat. That's probably why some men brought him, right? About his sins, well, that's, that's not the concern. The concern is the fact the man couldn't walk. You know, if you can't walk, would you rather be able to walk or not? Probably be able to walk, right? That's why he's there. That's why some men brought him along. But Jesus cuts through that. And he says, sins are forgiven. He changes the game. He changes the mindset of this man. He also changes the mindset of everybody else in this room. And he changes the mindset of the Pharisees and of the scribes and those who came to find out who is this guy. All of a sudden, it all changes with that line. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, when he said that, we have to assume the tension increased. I was trying to think of a tense situation I was in, and I thought of one. So back in Bible college, uh, Rebecca and I had borrowed a car from a friend, 
and we hadn't driven in this country at all. And so Rebecca got behind the wheel, got a little bit confused, and went backwards when she meant to go forward, and backed into our neighbor's garden wall, and then got freaked out because she did that, and went further back, and came about yay close to driving into their house. They weren't very happy about this, um, as you would expect. In fact, they were incensed. They didn't think that this American couple who was living there for a short period of time would take care of this wall. They thought we might skip town, they thought we might deny it, whatever. In fact, I even met the guy, uh, the son. It was a, an older lady and, and his son. I met the son in the street, and he came about as close as I am to die. And I said, Peter, you're this close to breaking the law. And he walked away. They, he didn't think we would pay up. Anyway, long story short, we made it to where we would give them a certain amount of cash and the job was done. We weren't gonna try to find anyone to fix it. They could do whatever they want with the money. They could fix the wall, they could break the wall, they could go out and have a party, whatever. But our hands were clean, which felt really, really good. Anyway, so that night, we had a whole wad of cash. They didn't want a bank transfer. Well, I don't even know if we did it back then. They wanted cash in their hand. So we took all these 20s, they're all rolled up. I had a friend of mine come with me as a witness. And we get to the place, and it's dark in their house. We'd never been in there before. We get into the dining room where there's one table and like one dingy lamp that's just sort of swinging like it might in a movie. And it felt like a movie. And it was incredibly tense. And I count out this money. You know, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. Keep on doing that, get to the end, and we're 20 quid short. They were not happy about this. In fact, they're like, see, we knew it. We knew you weren't going to do it. We knew you wouldn't have it. And I said, hold on. Let's have somebody else count it. So somebody else counted it. And at that point, this lamp seemed to even swing more. I'm not sure. <laughs> and it felt like it was even darker and even dingier in there. And another guy counted it. And he got to the end, and it was OK. Whew, Rebecca and I are like, oh, man. We knew the money was there. We gotten it out. Anyway, it was so tense at that point. But they got their money. We signed the contracts. We walked out the house, and the job was done. Whew. I don't think that tension, as much as it was scary, compared to what happened here. This group of people was ready. They were ready to see Jesus heal. That's what Jesus did. They weren't ready to hear their sins are forgiven. And when Jesus said that, he laid down the gauntlet. He laid down a new thinking that this man doesn't just heal. This man forgives sins. And if that's true, then this man can only be God. And if that's true, then he's either blaspheming or he is God. And that's what the crowd's thinking. So that is one tense situation. So, verse 21, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? And you could see in that video, the law, teachers of the law are just like freaking out at this point. You know, they can't stand, who is this guy? 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus only forgave two people their sins, in fact, uh, that it's recorded. This man and the man on the cross, the other thief, or the thief on the cross. He healed a lot. He only actually pronounced your sins are forgiven to those two people. Anyway, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are like, who is this fellow? And I think the rest of the crowd is asking the same thing. And Jesus knew they were going to wonder. Jesus knew this was coming. It's almost like a big, fat setup. He knew it was coming. And that's why in verse 22, it says he knew they were thinking this. And so then he asks a question. Which is easier? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? I think neither is easy. You know, I don't think if there's a paralytic man sitting right there to say, get up and walk, that's not an easy thing to proclaim. It might happen, but if it doesn't, well, okay. So Jesus is like, so which is easier to say? That your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, he can say your sins are forgiven, but nobody can really tell. You can't really see that. And of course, at that point, they didn't know who he was and whether he could be trusted anyway. So, okay, almost in some respects, great. You told him your sins are forgiven. So what? In some respects. So what? This man wants to be healed. He doesn't, his concern isn't, aren't his sins. That's not why some men brought him to this cramped house. Some men brought him so that he can walk. So he can have life again. Not just have his sins forgiven. So which is easier to say? And at this point, the tension's got to be so thick, you can, if you had a knife, you could probably cut right through it. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen remarkable things today. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And the way that he showed that was by what's written in white, take up your mat. They couldn't tell about the forgiveness sins. They could tell that this man was something else when that man stood up and walked out. And if that were to happen in front of us, we too would be filled with awe. And that's exactly what happened in this house. So all of a sudden it goes from a man who has forgiven some lepers and everybody hears about it, to a man who has the power to forgive sin. And if he has the power to forgive sin, we make the next connection that he is, in fact, God. And if he is, in fact, God, then all of a sudden, the Pharisees have a whole different situation they're dealing with. And if you think the news spread quickly with the the lepers, wait until this gets around. You know, there's a lot of people cramped in that house. They're going to take that story elsewhere. So again, you can just imagine the situation immediately. He stood up in front of them. You know, how often do we immediately do things? I don't know. 
sure there's a challenge there for someone. But for that man, what a challenge to immediately stand up. He, didn't, he could not move his body, yet he immediately was out of there. And he didn't stick around. Jesus said, you know what? Take up your mat, go. Why? Because if he doesn't go, people don't really know that he truly was healed. If he doesn't go, how's he gonna tell everybody else out there, by the way, there's this man, have you heard of Jesus? Have you seen me laying out here for the last 20 years? And now I can walk? And he didn't just heal my legs, he healed my heart. That's the kind of story that's gonna spread around the world. As a result, they were filled with awe. And they all said, we've seen remarkable things today. I'm sure they did say that. The Bible doesn't say anything else about what happened in that house. But I'll tell you what, whatever Jesus said after it, people are gonna be listening. And whatever else he did in that house, people are gonna be like, yes, I can see that, I agree with that. I want more of that, whatever that is, because I've seen that. And that's the Jesus that we serve, that's the way maker that we are singing about. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal picture of his power but also of how he comes and does more than you would expect. And my friend Merv here with me, if you want to come forward, Merv. Um, I was thinking, I was trying, I had a guy lined up to come with me, Gavin. He's a guy who's gotten saved through Alpha. He's uh, in recovery and he's leading other people in recovery and it's awesome. He can't be here tonight because he's at a group in Swindon where he's got a cousin who's coming into recovery for the first time. So he's really excited because he wants to see her come free. He's also got a guy he told me that he's working with that's now going to a church in Reading. He's got another guy that he's working with who's come into faith and is growing in his faith and it's just awesome. And I was gonna have him come and share some stories. He's not here, but I've got Merv. And Merv, Merv can, is gonna share briefly of how he was brought on the mat and how he brings others on the mat. Good evening, thank you for having me. Uh, most of you know who I am, but if you don't, I'm uh, from uh, Lifespring with Earl. Um, my journey starts actually 17 years ago. Um, I landed up in Basingstoke Hospital for, I think, five weeks or maybe a little bit more. Uh, the first three weeks, I had all sorts of tests done, um, biopsies, and um, eventually they come up and said to me that um, I'm actually seriously ill. Um, I had cancer right away through my body. Um, I had non-Hodgkin lymphoma, which is grade four. And my life expectancy at that time was possibly only months, uh, with treatment possibly five years. Um, they then transferred me from C ward to the cancer ward. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in hospital in the early hours of the morning. It's not the most desirable place you want to be, I can assure you. And that's when I decided to reconcile my differences and also give my life to the, the Lord. And um, by doing that, I had a, an inner peace that transcends all understanding, just fell upon me. And um, the next morning, the one guy, most of you would know who, who he is, Dave Downer, um, I was so pleased that he walked into the hospital, in, into the cancer ward. And uh, how he knew I was there, I still don't know. Maybe I'll ask him next time I see him. But uh, I've not seen him for four years, and he asked if he could pray for me. So... And that's what he did. He prayed for me. 
the hematologist, uh, Dr. Milne, she's one of the leading hematologists in, in the country, she said um, that I should be suffering from all these things, which I wasn't. And, um, and after another two weeks, I actually went from grade four lymphoma to low grade one, um, which she had no answers to. Well, three months later, after coming out of hospital, but before I when I came out of hospital, uh, within two weeks of being seriously ill, I was actually walking Hadrian's Wall because my wife's a Geordie and that's where we decided to go to. And, um, but when I see Dr. Milne for the first time after three months, I took a great friend of mine. Um, she used to be a matron up in London, one of the big hospitals. And her words, not mine, she said, we don't know what actually happened. We, have, we just don't know. We just don't know what the future is. We don't know what treatment. I suppose I've had all sorts of chemotherapy, which I never had. Uh, all the tests proven otherwise. And um, seven years gone on since then, uh, she eventually retired. And uh, I had a personal invitation to her retirement at the hospital, and it was full of surgeons, doctors, uh, specialists, and there's little old me, just one of her patients that she insisted that I come. And uh, she had the Basingstoke Choir actually playing. It was playing all this lovely Christian music. And I thought, that's a bit strange, you know, because that I didn't quite expect. And um, then after, the, after her retirement, I walked up to her, and I, I, I just thanked her from the bottom of my heart for what she's done for me, the humility and the love she's shown me. And with that, she broke down in tears. She said, said what happened to you? She said, you gave me a belief and a hope and a purpose of what I do, she said, and she thanked me for the bottom of, from the bottom of her heart. Um, and that was incredibly encouraging. This testimony is not about me, it's all about God and what he's done for me personally in my life. Um, I've gone on since then to work at YMCA because I'm a lecturer and a plumbing heating engineer, so I had, the, I had a wonderful opportunity to reach out to many people within the YMCA you know, and I always took Jesus in there with me. It was always one of my statements. I always took Jesus in. And uh, I managed to pray and give people that lived in a hopeless situation hope. Um, but one last story. Four weeks ago, I was uh, in Bournemouth, down on the beach, and this young lad, Brad, come walking by, only 28. And God says to me, you need to speak to him. So um, I said, what a lovely day. And he looked up. And he said, if it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't be here now. I said, so what do you mean? He said, well, he tried to commit suicide a week before because uh, he got so low. And um, he, as he was drifting out of consciousness, well, before that, he, he actually says to me, he had 40 units of alcohol. I don't know if you know what or how much that is. That's a lot. Plus, he took drugs. And uh, while he was drifting in and out of consciousness, he had this voice, this word. Jesus says, I've not finished with you yet. I have plans for you. So with that, as he drifted in and out, he actually died 999. And the next minute, he was in hospital. So as he's telling me all this story and about his uh, mother who died very early age, she died of anorexia and she's only four and a half stone. And then her or his brother also died of a drugs overdose. And I said, I said, God has put my heart. I want to share something with you. And it's from Jeremiah. And he said, for God says, I know the plans I have for you. They are for good and not for evil. And I'll give you a future and a hope. In the days when you pray, I will listen. And with that, he just burst into tears. And he gave me a big hug. And on his phone, actually, the um, screensaver was, 
for I know the purpose I have for you, you know, and it was Jeremiah. And uh, so with that, we instantly connected and uh, we, he said, I must have your telephone number. So I gave him the telephone number and this is how God works. It, you know, it's, it's such amazing because Alpha, our Alpha at, at um, Overton, or Te not Test Valley, at uh, Live Spring, started that Wednesday and he's been along for all four meetings and, um, and he's been such a joy to have because he shared his feelings. He said when he's in a big dark hole, he's still not fully um, clean. He still has a drink, but he's, you know, he, he, he's being guided by the right people. When he's in that big black hole, that's where he always finds God. And one of the words he keeps on saying to me, he said, God knows my heart. And, um, and it's really quite reassuring for all of us that uh, how God does work, even in our darkest places, it'll always always be there um, so we're having a do next month and uh, he's so keen to come he comes from Boscombe by the way but uh, he's just such an inspiration to me and um, and God does have a plan in the future so I'll be quite excited to see where that leads uh, that in the future uh, that's it thank you very much for listening Yeah, so Merv was on the mat and was on his deathbed, essentially, and Christ met with him. You know, it, was, it wasn't too late in that respect. And Merv has gone on now to bring others to Christ, and it works really awesome to meet with Brad on Alpha, a really nice guy. Coming to Holy Spirit Day, he said, I'm not going to miss that day. And so that is, you know, that is an exceptional, exceptional thing, and his life is being changed. It really is. And there may be some of you who also have that mat, and you want to bring people to Jesus. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? To be carrying that mat, bringing people to where he is. And so as we finish here, we're going to come in for a landing. I just want to think, maybe there's people on your heart that you would like to reach, that you would like to bring to Jesus. But as I said earlier, it also may be that you're weary because you've been carrying people on that mat for a long time. Or it feels like there's yet another mat to bring. I've been doing this for a lot of years. There's another person to bring. And I think maybe tonight the Lord would want to bring, not healing to that, but wants to bring just some refreshment to that scene. If you're tired of dragging people along that mat, but some friends or some men did. And because they did, it all kicked off. All of it. And it never looked back. And it still never does. So you may be someone that wants to bring people on the mat. You may be someone who is tired from bringing so many on the mat. Or you may be the one on the mat this evening. Two different aspects of that. One the aspect that the man expected and everybody expected, and that's healing. And of course we want to see Jesus heal. So tonight you might be on the mat and you want to see healing from whatever that may be. Fantastic, because we know he's the way maker. And he's the one that does exactly that. And he's the one that did that that night, right? He didn't stop with saying your sins are forgiven. The man walked out. There's healing in the name there's power in the name of Jesus, and there's healing. Or you may be the person on the mat, 
and you're being brought and you're coming to him because you need your sins forgiven. Maybe you've not known Christ at all. Maybe you've never heard the name of Jesus till tonight. I don't know. Maybe you have not experienced your sins being forgiven. Have not experienced what it is to walk in that freedom. That may be you tonight as well. So there's four things there. There's the aspect of being on the mat, healing. There's the aspect of being on the mat, and Jesus wants to come and dwell within your heart as you repent of sins and as he forgives them, as he takes them away, casts them away, never to be seen again. Or you're the some men who just wants to bring more and more to him and calling out, you know, show me who they are, Lord Jesus. Show me who they are, Spirit, that I can bring. Or maybe you're weary from the some men. And man, you've been doing this a long time. Or the last person I brought to Jesus rejected it, and you're giving up. We can't afford to give up. But we can ask the Spirit to move in us. We can ask the Spirit to come and refresh us if we're in that place. So those are the things I want to pray for this evening and call for. If you have any music over there, Gary, I don't know if you're praying for the right song or whether you're just looking for music, I'm not sure. Just prostrate. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, so just, I don't know if we want to stand. I think probably we've been sitting for a while, so if you want to stand. Um, but the, the posture I think that's wonderful is just to have our hands out front. It just shows that we're open to whatever God wants to do. And maybe you want to respond to one of these things. Like I said, tonight, I think Christ will be revealed in a different way. And so tonight may be the night that you come to him for the first time. Or that you come back to him after walking away for quite some time. Fantastic. And if that's you, man, we want to celebrate and we want to pray with you. And if you've come and you need healing, then we want to pray for that as well. We want to see people get up off their mat and walk. We want to see people's arms who weren't working right work right and whose ears weren't working right be able to hear. That's what we desire. We want to see the way maker doing those things. So those things, Father, we ask that you would show yourself powerful here in this place. We know you are. We've experienced it this evening so far. We've experienced what worship can do, what declaring who you are does. We've experienced what an openness to your spirit is. We recognize that you're moving in this place. You recognize you're moving in hearts tonight. Lord Jesus, would we, with open hands, we come before you and ask that you would reveal yourself even more among us. If there's anyone here that would like to respond to that being on the mat and being having your sins forgiven, coming to Christ, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to, want to see that. We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray and lead you through that space. If that's you tonight, please raise your hand so we know. And if there's ones of you that, have, that are on that mat because of healing and you know, man, I just want to see God touch me. I actually need a touch from him. I need a physical touch from him. 
tonight I don't want to walk. I want to walk back out. Whatever that ailment is, I want that to be touched. So if there's hands around you, can you please find people to pray with if their hand is up? We want to we want to pray for healing to come. We want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and release their power. There's a few hands that are up, so if you see those hands, we want to go pray for them. They'd be fabulous. And maybe you're someone here tonight who's weary because you've been carrying people on that mat for quite some time. You know, you've been doing this for a long time, and you just need to be refreshed by God and just want to be honest before him to say, you know what? I am tired. I am willing, but I am tired. I know, I understand the power of God, but man, I don't know how much longer I can do this. If you can raise your hand, that'd be fabulous. And that's, that doesn't mean you're giving up. It actually means the opposite. It means you're willing to recognize that you are tired, that you need a new refreshing from him, which is a great place to be. So if that's you, you want to raise your hand and people will come find you, or... Maybe you're the other one. You want to be some of the men that have people to bring on that mat to Jesus. Maybe you're in a dry spell, haven't met people, don't know where to go, don't know how to meet them. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to provide people for you to bring on that mat. Provide people for you to express the love of Jesus to. So if that's you and you want to raise your hand, people will come find you and pray for that as well. Those are the things we're going to respond to. Gary, if you can lead us musically, that'd be wonderful in a response song.